0: Right, let me pray and we'll start here. Um, God, we want to thank you for the blessing of community. This beautiful mess we call church. Thank you that we can come together. And I pray that you would continually put on our hearts that we would that we would be a place where it's okay not to be okay. But in that, that we would always remember that Jesus wants so much more for us. He wants the best for us. I pray that we would continue to become a people who see that and realize that. I pray this morning that as we unpack your word, uh, the story that you've given us, I pray that it would do what it needs to do, or what I've been praying it would do. That we would experience grace, that we would experience comfort. We'd also experience conviction by the Holy Spirit. Not man's conviction, not guilt, but Holy Spirit conviction, which, which we know changes lives. So this morning, Lord, I pray that the the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart is acceptable in your sights, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. 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 All right. So we are going to look into a story, a whole big story in the Gospel of Luke. It comes at the end of Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Um, Jesus has already gone through his life, and he's been crucified, and he's risen from the dead. And the story is about these two guys who are walking along the road. They're headed uh, to this place called Emmaus. And in the Bible it says uh, the name of the story is The Road to Emmaus. It's a kind of a popular story if you've been around church for a while. But these guys are just kind of walking, they're talking, they're they're doing their thing, they're on this journey, and they have this sacred encounter with someone that they don't know who it is at first, but later on in their journey they realize that this person that they've been talking to is, is Jesus. And so I'm going to read the story, but I'm going to read it from my Bible because I noticed... To get it all on one screen up here, it's really small, and so you're going to have to suffer through it, but I'm not because I have it right here. Ha, ha, ha. Luke chapter 24 starts in verse 13. Now that same day... Wait, oh, it's not okay. And now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept on they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, "What are you discussing together as you walk along?" They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, "Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days?" What things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, a powerful, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him, but he had hoped, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did, the, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the story of the road to Emmaus. Now, I'm going to make a really large claim here and say that these two guys on this journey, on this road, that we can see ourselves, who is the church. Oh, did I say something to offend? Man, it's a good thing we do background checks, huh? Because that would be just a little bit iffy right now. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay, let's start over. Now that's... No, I'm sorry. What, what I see in this story is the condition of the church today. And I remember the church today is us, we, the people. And what I see is the, the posture of this, these two guys, their heart, we find, or I find, in, in the church today. Now, last week we kind of unpacked uh, Acts chapter 2, and, and we kind of laid out this thing how God envisioned the church to be when he originally began the church, right? And, and this, this group of people, by the power of the Holy Spirit, things were happening, and, and they were devoted to the scripture. And they were devoted to each other. And they were devoted to prayer. And they were devoted to breaking of bread. The, the celebration of what, what Jesus has done. And they were selling their possessions. And no one had need. And there was this they were, they were meeting together and having dinner together and doing life together. And there was joy and gladness and happiness. And it said that, that there was favor uh, in the community. And God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And that's kind of the the early church. we say, well that that was the early church. That's obviously not the church today. And I think the church today, we have some of that going on, I do believe. We can always do better. we can always we can always pursue Christ in a much deeper way. But what I see in this story with these with these two men, the heart that they have, many times we find that heart, In the church, this Emmaus-esque flavor. Now these guys, in the beginning of the story, they're walking along. They're pretty discouraged. They're sad. They're a little, maybe feeling a little bit hopeless, a little stunned over what has taken place. And this dude shows up. This guy happens to be Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus is going to speak some words to them. And it's going to kind of take them and and, and refocus everything eventually along the way. But there's going to be a a journey that they're going to go on. And the words that Jesus has for them, I believe that he can speak to us, the church. We are the church. Now, this whole series we're doing is about church, about the church, and we want to take a look at ourselves and, and, and I've realized that there are many reasons why people don't come to church. People that, that aren't affiliated with any type of faith or religion. Um, and, and people, there's many reasons why they won't come through this door. There's reasons why they won't come and check us out. Now, what I said was maybe, maybe if we kind of had this joyfulness that the early church had, we had this excitement within us, then maybe that would kind of catch fire. And then people would want to check us out. And They might think we're crazy or drunk or something like that. But at least, at least we would get a hearing. At least they would come and see what was going on. We as the church, we as a people, we make some pretty big claims. We make some pretty big statements about God, about Jesus, about our relationship to God through Jesus, about forgiveness and reconciliation, about eternal life. We have this thing called the gospel. And we claim that we we ha- we've been our heart has been open to this gospel and, and, and we call it good news. And we say that this good news has has allowed us to see the light of Christ, and this light shines into the darkness of the world. And we, because we have the Spirit of God in us, we now possess that light, and our light can shine into the darkness of this world. I mean, those are some pretty big claims that we make as the church. Now, I, I don't think anyone can argue with this next statement. Many people in church world uh, would say that one of the main functions of us as a entity as a community one of our functions would be something we would call evangelism we want to get the jesus message out there so we call it evangelism we call it outreach we call it sharing the gospel there's a lot of different names for it and it's very good it's a very important thing i mean we want to share the good news right this good news it's good news remember it's good news and we want to get it out there. And so we begin in church world, we begin this dialogue, we begin this discussion, we begin to ask questions. Well, how do we do that? How do we do outreach? How do we do evangelism? How do we, what do we need to do to attract people to come into the church, attract people to Jesus? What do we have to do for those in the church to educate them so they know how to evangelize, so they know how to, to share the gospel? What do we have to do in, in our own lives, in our own hearts, to make ourselves attractive to those that are outside the church? Those people say, you know what, I, I, just, I, I don't do organized religion. Um, I'm never going to church. But what if that's what, what, if, what, if that's, what if that's the wrong question to ask? I mean, I know that we're all kind of broken, and, and, and we, we, know we're all, we all need Jesus, and that's why we're all here. Uh, but, but my fear is that when we come from that perspective of, you know what, uh, yeah, we're not perfect, yeah, you know, nobody here has got it all together, nobody has all the answers. But sometimes we just kind of take that posture of our hearts, and we use that as an excuse not to allow Christ to actually do any change in our hearts. I think the church has to stop. Making excuses and start engaging the gospel. And so what if that's the wrong question to say, what can we do about in here to get people out there to come in here? Maybe we need to start by asking a a simpler question and ask, why don't they want to come in here anyway? What is it that keeps them outside what is it that keeps them away from Jesus? And you know the answer that I really wrestled with this past week is a little bit painful because I'm part of that answer, you're part of that answer. We are the church. We it's a team sport. We're in this. We're in this together. And can the reason why people stay outside is because they see what goes on on the inside? And not just on the inside here, but on this inside here. It's great that we can be all Christian Sunday morning, walk through these doors, smile on your face, vest on the shirt on, stripes, they're very thinning, trimming. But what goes on on the inside when you're Christian, when you're out there? And the reason why they stay outside is because of what they do see inside. Maybe a better question to ask before the better question that we ask is, what's going on inside of us? What's going on inside of my own heart, your own heart? What may be be going on in there might not be such a Jesus thing that's taking place? Is there anything different about us that we can allow Christ to get a hold of and change? Can we engage differently? Can we do things differently? Now, I'm not a big, you got to behave correctly type of guy, but there are certain evidences, we've talked about this, of one who follows Christ. Are those evidence is evidence? Is it the church that keeps people away from Jesus? It's a worthwhile question to ask. Christianity is on a decline in our western culture. It's a good it's a worthwhile question to ask. So instead of coming from a place, the church coming from a place of believing that we've got Jesus. Yes, we're broken, but we've got Jesus and we're all right. And those people out there, they're the ones that are messed up. And so we need to create programs and events and things to get those people out there into here so they can realize that they're all messed up and they need Jesus too. Maybe, maybe we need to get rid of that mentality and instead begin with us. Begin with what's within my heart not your heart, not those persons sitting next to you, but begin with what's in here. The darkness that's in here. How can God get a hold of me? How can God begin to change me in ways that I become attractive? Not physically because <laughs> we know that. But I mean, I mean spiritually attractive to people. What does God have to do? And then those people they just want to be around us. And they want to hang out with us. And they want to talk to us. And they want to ask questions. We're way too ready to give answers to questions people aren't even asking. And we come across as arrogance. And know it all. St. Patrick, when he was evangelizing Ireland, he had monastic communities that he set up. And in these communities, um, these people would live as, as monastics. And so um, there was times of prayer and fasting and silence. But when a visitor would come to those communities seeking refuge or shelter or a meal, everything would stop and they would welcome this person in. And this person would come in and they would get set up in the best house. They would stop fasting if they were fasting and stop praying and they would just love on this person. And for as long as they wanted to stay in the community, they were welcome. And one story says that that's where the idea of confirmation came in. That this person would be doing life with this community of believers. And then at some point in their journey, they would say, I I get this. I want to be part of this. And they would be confirmed into the community. St. Patrick said that Christianity is 75% caught and 25% taught. What does God have to do in us to change us? That we would welcome people and they would want to live the life that we live, believe the things that we believe. Yeah, understand that we're not perfect and we're not broken, but man, we got Jesus. And that's good news. But for, for whatever reason, and, you know, and and I've gotten the opportunity by God's grace to travel and, and, and talk to people around the world and and the church seems to put out this, this vibe at times. And, and I mean, please, I'm, I'm talking in general. I'm not just picking on our community, though I am a little bit because I'm part of this community. So I want to pick on me too. I don't stand above any of this. I'm in it. But the church seems to put out this vibe that being Christian, following Jesus, going to church is, is kind of, it's kind of, it's like a chore. It's like something, something we have to do. Something that's that okay. I don't want to go to hell, and I don't want to aggravate God, so I'm going to go to church. But man, it's, it's and, and and we know that not to be true, but many times we put that vibe out to the world. I don't want to go to hell, and so I'm going to go to church, and that's and it becomes this this chore thing sometimes for us. Let's go to church. We don't want to make God angry. If that's why you're here, I don't want to say go home because you came all the way out here, but you know, I mean, don't come next week. (laughs) I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this cliche example, and I feel, I feel almost defiled using it because I'm, I, I don't do cliche stuff very well, but it's the best one that I could come up with and that I could find. And, and, and think for a minute, and, and maybe some of you have experienced this in, in your own life. Think for a moment. All right, you're, you're, going to, you're going to a ball game, like a professional ball game, like you're going to see the Yankees. I mean, I know that Red Sox wouldn't be that exciting, but you're going to see the Yankees, or you're going to, you're going to a Giants game. Or maybe maybe you got tickets for a NASCAR race up in New Hampshire. Or you're going on vacation. And think about the excitement that, that stirs within you when, when you know that you're going, when you know something very cool is going to take place. There's there's something going on in and your and, and you start to you start to count down the days, you know, seven more sleeps, six more sleeps, five more sleeps, can't wait. So we're going, we're going to this game, we're going to that race, we're going on vacation. This is gonna be awesome. And then the day of it comes, and and you're ready to go, and, and, and you're getting ready to leave. And you don't, well, you leave early because you don't want to arrive at your destination on time. You want to make sure you get there early. Because if you, if, you, if you plan on getting there right and right at the right time, the exact time that things start, well then what if there's traffic on the road? What if there's an accident on the road? What if we get a flat tire? And so you go through all of these things, they churn in your head. So you make sure that you are packed and you are ready to go and you are out the door early and you're going to get to that place early and you're excited and you got all smiles on your face. There's anticipation brewing in you. And you're holding your sign, got your team shirt on, got your team hat, painted your face. You got your suitcases all packed six days in advance, just in case you forgot something on vacation. You're not going to forget anything. And when you get there, you're, you're checking in on Facebook and you're tweeting this picture and you're sending text messages and pictures to your friends, Instagramming it. Selfies with the duck lips, you know, you're, you're standing in front there. And you are just excited about what's taking place. Now, i think of the Christian on the way to church on Sunday morning. I mean, we're going, we we're gathering the saints, the people of God are gathering to worship the God of the universe. We've been invited to this place of worship and prayer and hearing the word and loving on each other, devoting ourselves to each other. But think about the mood that takes place some Sunday mornings, many Sunday mornings, a few Sunday mornings. There's sometimes there's this deliberation that takes place when you get up. Is there anything better that we can do today? I mean, it's going to be nice out. The sun's going to be out. I mean, church starts at 10, 15. We got to do something about that. That's just way too late. It ruins my whole Sunday. And you know, I'm kind of tired this week. I I got in late from the concert last night. And so, you know, Sunday is the only day I get to sleep in. And so maybe, you know, maybe maybe it will just kind of blow off church and and just kind of do our own thing. But you decide, well... I don't want to go to hell, and I want God to be mad at me. I got a big day, a big week coming up on work, so I better go to church and get my church on, and, and then, you know, God will be appeased in some way. But, you know, I'm running a little bit late, but it really doesn't matter what time we get there, because, you know, it, it, it is church, and so what if we miss a few songs in the beginning? I mean, I really don't like the way the ball guy sings anyway. It sounds like he smokes cigarettes. And, and, and so we're just going to do—I just, gonna do, we're just I mean, everybody comes—not everybody, but the majority of the people, they just come in late anyway. And, and, and worship is that noise that they make so they don't see me come in late, and I can sneak in the back door, and I can sit down. I, I find it very funny that there are many things in our lives that we are not late for. Your job, class, that business meeting with that client that doctor's appointment, that dentist appointment, the movie, the concert, the game. American Idol. But church, the house of God, gathering of the saints. Eh, there's grace there. We don't we don't really need to be on time. You know, sometimes it's hard for parents to get their kids to go to church. Maybe sometimes it's because our children watch the way we Go to church. They watch the posture in our heart when the Christian goes. I went to a Bruce Springsteen concert once at the end of the show, three encores. Three hours long, man. Nobody in the stadium wanted that concert to end. We had the lighters go. In fact, then we had lighters, not iPhones. We had the lighters going, and and it was just amazing. The seat, and he came out once. He came out twice. He came out three times. People did not want to leave. We were banging on the 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 chairs and you know, people kicking things and making noise. And I went to a Giants game once and, and for about two hours after the game, we came out and we busted out the tailgating again. We had the grill going, we had cheeseburgers and hamburgers and hot dogs. And we were just doing all kinds of groovy things. there sitting on the bench and we were just having fun and nobody really wanted to leave. But I went to a church once and that preacher went over 10 minutes and people were like, let's he you know, it's a nice day out here. And he's going 10 minutes late today. Really, really. I'm telling you we got to do something about this 10:15 start time it's just not right in the summer. When we leave this place, do we do we realize, do we give the impression of what has taken place here that something sacred and holy has taken place here because the people of God have come together in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit? Do we do we give that impression when we leave here? Is the church just about about coming together and and discussing what we don't like and and discussing uh, what we shouldn't should be or shouldn't be doing? Is there an excitement? Is there an excitement in our soul about the gathering of the saints in the name of Jesus? Do we do we understand that in no other place than when the people of God gather? does does this take place there's something in the spiritual realm that is happening right now do we get that do we understand that do we even care there's this as i read this story there's this sense that i had that we the church today are very much like the story of these two travelers think about the story that we read these guys are walking on the road. Jesus has risen from the dead, but these guys—these guys are bummed out. It says they are downcast. That means they were pretty sad. They were bummed out. Jesus catch, catches up with them, and he knows what's going on inside them. I mean, not because he's Jesus, but because when you're sad, when you're downcast, when you're bummed out, when you lack enthusiasm, what's on the inside of you it manifests itself on the outside. When you're happy and excited, and 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 and. and feeling joyous and having passion, then then that shows up on the outside too. And these two men, they're traveling and they're downcast and they're bummed. And I wonder if that's the posture that we can see in the church today, the church, the church that we live in today. But in this story, it's not all bad. The story is not all bad. There's hope in this story because there's always hope in the Jesus story. There's hope for these men there's a refocusing for these guys. And so I believe that if we take this story to heart, there's hope for us, the church. There's, there's a refocusing that we, could, we can get a hold of. Now, there's three verses that I want to spend the rest of our time in this morning. And they're these three. Verse 17, this is Jesus asking them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. That's the first thing. In verse 25, he said to them, How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus again speaking to them. And then 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scripture to us? This is the posture that, we find, that I find in myself, and i believe we can find in the church now the church has gone through its ups and downs throughout the centuries and and we ebb and flow and we're on fire we're not on fire and and uh you know we're, we're only human so we've gone through sadness and foolishness and believing the wrong things and not believing correctly about the right things and and that's all just part of who we are that's that's truly why we need the grace of god but how do we how do we how do how, how do i move from a foolish downcast belief or lack of belief to a heart that is burning within me. Again, I want to be corny cliche, but I really do believe that when the church catches fire, when the church catches fire, things are going to change in this world. Things are going to change. So I want to take a look at their journey. These guys are bummed out they 're they're, they're sad they 're downcast. and it 's a good it 's good to ask well why what 's what 's going on in them verse fourteen says that they were talking with each other about everything that had happened so they 're walking along they 're on this they 're going to this this place called Emmaus and they 're talking about everything that has taken place they 're talking about their years that they spent with jesus and how how the, the, there was these teachings that he did amazing teachings and jesus he he would, he would do these miracles, oh my goodness, the miracles, the things that we saw, and the late night dinners, and, and the conversations that we had. Remember remember the way things used to be when we were with Jesus. Remember how he used to do that, and he used to speak this. And remember how it just felt like there was this band of brothers as we walked together. And, and, and then they get into like this, this messed up ending that they try to get their heads around, but we'll get to that. But they're just kind of reminiscing. And what I find in my own self, in my own heart, and maybe, maybe you're there too and within the church, that, that we, the church, myself, we, we reminisce about the way things used to be. Like, man, I remember when we used to do that thing, when we used to do that that event, when we had that program going on. Man, we saw some real fruit happening from that. I wish that we can go back. I wish that we can do that again. I wish that. I wish that. And, and it's all about the back. It's all about history. I wish that we can go back to that place. A friend of mine always says that there's a reason why the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the windshields. Have we focused too much on what used to work, the things that we used to do, how the how the glory of the church used to be, and we failed to look forward? And Jesus comes up on them, right, and and, and they're talking, and he's like, "Hey, so what's up? We what talking about that's that's the message." And and, and, he's, and they say, "Well, haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth?" He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And, and what is more, it's the third day since all of this has taken place. They are trying to get their brains around this amazing thing that has happened in the past this, um, this these uh, these miracles and this amazing guy this this he, he, he stood in stature and authority before God and now he he dies this this criminal death in, in weakness and embarrassment he was supposed to be the messiah he was supposed to be the savior he was supposed to rescue us and now and now he 's dead in fact these guys are So focused on what looks like the problem, they can't even see the resurrection. They cannot see the glory of God. And I believe, I truly believe, so it goes in church world. We have become experts at analyzing and figuring out what is wrong with the church. Why is the church wrong? We set up committees to figure out what is wrong with the church. Why is it wrong? How do we fix it? If you want to write a book in today's Christian world. You don't write a book on how amazing the church is and how uh, problem free it is. What you do is you write a book on why the church is broken in this area and your ideas on how to fix it. And if it's well, if it's well enough written, you will sell books and people will buy those books. I have a lot of them on my shelves. The, this church, the, that church, and this and, and all of these things by all of these men and women who have decided that this is wrong with the church and we need to fix it. When we focus just on our problems, on what is broken, all of the good falls away. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of good that goes on in the church. There's a lot. This is the house of God. We are God's people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing bad in that. Now we mess things up, yeah. But at our core, we are God's children. When we took our church health survey, when we got with our with our church health coach, he he told us now, now the 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 propensity in me was to go to the things that we were weakest in, and we're going to fix these things. And he said that's that's good. You want to fix the weakness. You want to. Um, strengthen those things, but that's not where you spend your time, most of your time, most of your energy. You take the things that, that are strong. You take, you take your strengths and you build on those strengths and you strengthen your strengths. And then you take small steps over time to strengthen those things that are weak. But the focus is on the strengths. The focus is, is on the good. When, we, when we always, all we talk about and all we see is our weakness and our brokenness, we miss the glory of the Lord. And I'm telling you, in the glory of God, there is no weakness and there is no brokenness. When all we talk about is what we don't like, all we talk about what we stand against, what we don't believe is right, especially in our worlds, there's this negative vibe that comes from us, and the world sees it and senses it. When Jesus talks to these guys, they just lay this thing out. He's not like, oh, I'm so sorry you're bummed out and downcast. That's not not what Jesus says. How foolish you are. Whoa, nice guy, huh? How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. A, a A better translation of that is slow in heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. How foolish, how slow of heart. Now, when he says how foolish you are, he's not saying you're stupid, but he's saying like, like, what's up with you guys? Why why have you missed this? What's 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 going on with you? And then this idea of, of slow to, in of heart to believe. He, he's telling them what what's going on in here that you've lost your focus, you've lost sight, you've lost the connection. These men are no longer focused on the things of God. They're not focused on the person of Jesus. They're just focused on their circumstances around them. And the, and this has caused them a heaviness. This has caused them to be downcast. They're just focusing on the brokenness. I'm wondering if the church has become slow of heart to believe and that we've become foolish. And Jesus uses a very interesting word. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All. It's such a little word, but it's so important. These men, they knew their scripture they knew the Messiah, but these men chose to believe the certain parts of the Scripture that they kind, of, they kind of were comfortable with. They chose to believe the certain parts of the Scripture that kind of fit into their own worldview, how they hoped things would flesh themselves out. But Jesus says, you haven't believed all of the Scripture. See, they, they believed that the Messiah was going to be a political guy. He was going to be a commander of a great army. He was going to release them from their oppression But Jesus begins to say, you've missed all of what the prophets have spoken. And he takes them all the way back to Moses. And he starts laying it out. He starts opening it up. You may be saying, well, you you know, thanks for making us feel real good, Dennis. And uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) But this is a story of hope. This is a story of hope. Because towards the end of this story, look what they say. Jesus has broken the bread. They realize it's him. He disappears. And then they say this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Here's our hope. This is where passion comes from. This is where the fire comes from that can burn within us. And this is how the world will experience that fire within us. Remember, this comes, this comes, their hearts were burning within them. They're talking about when they were walking with Jesus, when they didn't even know it was Jesus walking with them. And what was Jesus doing with them? He was opening the scripture to them. He was explaining the scripture, how this all comes to fruition, how this all went down exactly the way it's supposed to go down. See, the answer to our brokenness, our problems, our joylessness, passionless faith, that that dry spell that we we constantly experience, that we get caught up in, the answer to that is not trying to fix us, the answer to that is not trying to fix each other. It rests in our pursuit of Jesus through the scripture. That's where the fire came in these men. That 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 the that, that Jesus Himself, He opened the Scripture to them and it all began to make sense. The only way we're gonna change anything, the only way we're gonna fix anything, and yet you know what? The church needs we, we need to be. And I get it. We're not perfect. We can do a lot better in a lot of places that we're not doing so good in. But the only way that that gets changed is that when we submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit and that spirit opens up to us the word of God, the revelation of who God is. That's when we know. That's when that fire ignites in us. When we realize who God is, who we are in this relationship by the Holy Spirit opening up the words of this book. Remember I said a few weeks ago, people have died over this book. Maybe the church, we just take it for granted. We allow the fullness of the glory of the Lord to come upon us. And that's what fires up the heart of every believer. Programs aren't going to fix us. Events are they're not going to fix us. Meetings and committees they're not going to fix us. See, the Lord has promised that, that that he would reveal himself to us that he will make himself known to us. And when he when he ascended to the Father, he gave us his holy spirit for that very reason that that spirit would reveal to us who God is. And once we have that revelation of who God is, we can walk in power and authority in that spirit. And that's the only place where the burning hearts of the the church comes from. As, As the spirit opens up the scripture to us, as the spirit opens up the knowledge of who God is, that's where our transformation takes place. If you feel slow of heart, bummed out, crabby, you're just dry, you have no passion for anything of God, Allow the Spirit of God to change that. That's the only way it's going to happen. It's time that the church, Capital C, takes serious the word of the Lord in its entirety, in its fullness. And and I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. I'm talking about that, that the Bible becomes a priority in your life. And I'm not saying that you need to sit down and this year I'm going to read the Bible from front. I'm going to read the Bible in one year. I mean, that's great if that's what God has put on your heart. But I'm talking about spend time in God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. If you don't like the word meditate, contemplate the Word of God. If that's a little new agey for you. Marinate on the Word of God. Whatever you want to use. Spend some time. Uh, pray. Pray to the Spirit that, that the Holy Spirit would open up the Scripture to you. I mean, I would, I would say that we would be 100% ahead of ourselves if once a week you took one verse and spent an hour through the whole week. I'm talking one hour in a whole week allowing the Spirit of God to open up to you a single verse of scripture, your life would be changed. You don't have to read a chapter. You don't have to read a book. No, it's 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 not about seeing how much you can get through. It's about seeing what the Lord your God wants to reveal to you in it. That's going to change the church. You see, that's what causes intimacy with Jesus. And intimacy with Jesus is what transforms people. And transformed people transforms the church. And a transformed church transforms this world that we live in. But it starts with Christ. It starts with the revelation of God through through these words. It starts with the, the church physically opening up this book. Oh, look at that. Opening up this book and allowing the spirit to unpack it for us not just on Sunday morning not just because uh oh, Dennis book I uh, yeah, I better I better read you know I better get into the word that's going to last a week maybe we got to pray that the lord would give us the desire to open up this book again and then trust that he has something for us in it Are we willing to surrender to that? Are we willing to to surrender our time and our agenda and our hobby and sleep and, and rest? And are we willing to surrender that for the glory of the Lord to manifest itself, not only in our individual lives, but in the context of our community? These guys were downcast, they were bummed out, and Jesus kind of refocuses them, and they they realize that, man, there was there was something burning in us. Don't you want to feel that again? Don't you want to be that again? That, that that on fire for God thing that that just you just there's something different about your day, about each word you speak, about each step you take. There's something different. It starts with Christ and the revelation of who he is through the Holy Spirit through spending time here in this book. Don't let this be the only time you read the Bible. Don't. You're starving yourself. You're eating potato chips. God, thank you for your word of hope. Thank you for your grace and mercy and love for us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that will teach us all things. Reveal all things. And give us the anointing that we could walk in your power and your authority. We pray this in that precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I love you guys. We'll see you next week.